Well, in addition to uh, all of the hard times we've all been through over these last six months or so, you know, as a church, one of the challenges, it's a good thing, it was part of God's plan, we do believe, but that we had some staff turnover, in particular with uh, Pastor Nathan uh, heading to Montreal to pursue his PhD in theology to better contribute to the, the leadership of the future church in Canada. And uh, with that, we've had some new team members come and join the staff this year. And uh, so straight from Buffalo, New York, but let me, let me let you in on something, they're not Americans. They lived for many, many years in the United States, but they never took out citizenship. They are tried and true Canadians. The big guy, the big guy was born in Newfoundland. Of course, that's only been part of Canada for like since 1940-something. Yeah, right. And then we have uh, Jim's wife, Giselle, who is an Acadian from Nouveau-Brunswick. Yes. And so today, Jim is going to bring for the very first time a word from God's Word for us today on Backpack Blessing Sunday. So with a good welcome, remember, if you're going to holler, get that mask on. Okay, here we go. Uh, that we want to put a great welcome today for Jim and Giselle Clements, our new executive pastor here at Moncton Wesleyan. Thanks, Tom. I got to tell you, I don't know who the crazy person was that thought, you know what, let's have a person move and come and we'll put them away for two weeks, not let them talk to anybody, go anywhere, and then we'll let them preach on Sunday morning in front of a whole lot of people. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I'm pretty like already worked up and ready to go and Mark and the worship team did such an incredible job and, and like, I, I wouldn't wish two weeks like on anybody. That's like crazy. I love my wife. But like, I needed to see some other people, so I'm glad to see you all here today, and I'm excited about what God has to share with you through me. And, and then I even thought about, oh, wait now, then I get like a day off after preaching, like right away. Like, is this normal? Every time you preach, like you get the next day off? And so I'm learning all these new things as a, we've been gone for so long. But before I get started, I want to thank some people, because Giselle and I have lived our ministry life for a long time, and we still continue, that we always say, okay, God, the answer is yes. Now what's the question? And, uh, and we didn't know that a few months back that by living by that way, when we said yes, and then God asked us, are you willing to go back? That we knew that that was a time for us to go, whatever you ask, God, whatever you ask. And, but that didn't happen without a lot of people. And I want to thank Joel, Pastor Joel, and the leadership of the church, the board, the search team that cared for us and loved us so much through that whole process that made it easy and evident for God. So thank you, Joel, for leading that leadership team. And thank you all for being that and trusting him with that. Yeah, absolutely. And then we had, to, I want to thank like the friends and family that we have here and the family that just so much that came. And, and if you follow me on Facebook, I kind of dubbed our doorstep like the magic step because like stuff just kept appearing there and appearing there. And so I don't know how long that's going to go on for. And I'm going to, if it doesn't work really well, I'm going to think I'm going to list it on uh, like Facebook Marketplace. Maybe someone could buy it then and take it from my door. But it's been family and friends have just blessed us. 
If you were part of that and making that happen to love us that way while we were under quarantine, thank you so much for doing that and caring for us through that whole thing. And then, of course, I want to thank uh, my kids. We, we've left both of our kids back in the United States. One's in New York. The other one's in Seattle, Washington. And we just trust God's going to lead them and continue to work in their lives as we follow God in our lives. And last, I want to thank Giselle. Giselle has lived a life that no matter what God has asked of us in ministry, her only question is, okay, when's the boxes showing up? And, and she's just faithful like that to know that God's call in our life is what he wants us to do, not what we want to do. So before I go any further, I just want to pray, if that's okay, and pray together. Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the love that you show each one of us individually that allows us to share with the world. Because as we know, love changes everything. And so, Father, we want you to be honored today as we listen, whether it's here in the room or online that may you be lifted high through words of sharing and teaching and words of worship. In your name we pray, amen. Well, one of the funny things for us in getting here is our truck still has New York license plates on it. And, uh, and of course, when we crossed the border, when we hit the border at first, this is the first time I've ever crossed the Canadian-U.S. border, and like we're the only ones there. I don't know what I was expecting, it's closed. Right, you pull up and, and you, like, I got the best service I've ever received from CSBA. I mean, because they were right there on us, helping us with everything. But then it's like the plates on our truck kind of create like a safe zone. And like, I was driving, we were driving for about 30 minutes. I said, did you notice there's like no cars around us? Like there's no cars following us. There's, when they go by us, they go and they're gone and I'm like, Maybe it's the plates that are doing this, but I, I don't know. So we've learned that it's not a good thing, and Joel was going to share it, and, but someone suggested it, and so we have on our truck. You'll know it's our truck. It's got New York plates, and then it's got a sign on every side of the truck that says, I'm Canadian, and I served my quarantine. So I just want everyone to know that, right? I don't need any hassle or anything like that. And uh, so we make sure that we cover that base off. Well, school's about to start. And, and I thought that I'd get ahead of the teachers and educators. So if you're here and you're a teacher and educa educator, I'm going to relieve you of that by saying we're going to have a pop quiz. So we're going to do a pop quiz right now, all right? So I want you to think about, you don't need to write it down, just think in your head. Who are the top three authors in the world that you could think of? I'm a hockey guy. Name who won the top three people who won the Selkie Award in the NHL since the history of the NHL, right? Name three winners of the Miss Canada pageant and name the three richest people in Canada. Chances are, as you've listened to those, you're like, what does he do? I don't know any of these. And the situation is we tend to put a lot of value in stuff like that, but eventually we forget their names, the awards they get get dusty, and they just drift off in the never, never land, never to impact us again, unless you get a pastor who stands up and asks you four silly questions on a Sunday morning. <laughs> but now let me ask you this. Think of three people who prayed with you. Think of three people who spoke affirmation into your life. Think of three people when you were down in a tough time, they were there to walk you through it. 
Think of three people who spent the time to mentor you through life to give you life goals. Those names come pretty easily, don't they? And the difference is, is because it's relationship, it's love, it's care, it's influence. It's what's pouring into you that other people do. It becomes pretty obvious. And they're also the people that are closest to you, the ones that you'll be most vulnerable with, and the ones that you care the most about. And Pastor Pat shared, we even shared in the video, there is no greater time than right now that if you're looking to join a small group or to get into a small group, if you want to experience life like that, so that you can list those people's names and invest and have those people there with you during those times, praying for you, caring for you, mentoring you, investing in you, speaking affirmation in your life, there is no better way to do that than in a small group. And the opportunity's been put in front of you. And a lot of times you'll just go, ah, oh, forget about that. That's just another thing. It's not. It's a life thing. It's an important thing. Because people matter. People matter. People matter because the scripture tells us that God can even count the number of hairs on our head from Luke 12, 7. And it's because he cares that much about us, we should care that much about each other. So I want to encourage you to take Pastor Pat up on that and invest in becoming in a small group. Because someday when someone asks those same four questions I ask, you want your name to come up on people's answers. You want people to say, Jim prayed with me. Jim was there and spoke affirmation in my life. You want to do that so that other people put you on their list. Okay, one more. It's Backpack Sunday, one more pop quiz. I want you to think, as a student, when you were a student, who were the most influential teachers in your life that invested in you as a student? I mean, I can think of them. I can think all the way back. My second grade teacher, her name was Mrs. Smart. And she told me, don't call me Jimmy. You can, I guess you can if you want. She goes, Jimmy, if you keep writing like that, no one's going to be able to read what you're writing, and you'll never do anything. Well, I write pretty clear now, right? And I'll always, I always remember my math teacher. I wasn't always the best student. When I first moved to New Brunswick from Newfoundland, it was a little different. I was sitting in math class. And I won't say his name because we're in this region and protect him. And, but he was, he was great. He, was, he invested it. He actually, my math teacher actually made me fall in love with history. That makes it for incredible in your life versus my history teacher. And he said to me one day, he said, Mr. Clements, I talk a lot in case you don't notice or after you get to know me a little bit. I love to talk. And he said, Mr. Clemens, he said, if you don't want to be here because you're not paying attention, he said, you can leave. So I did what every 10th grade student does. I got up and started walking out of the classroom. And he goes, where are you going? And I said, well, you told me if I didn't want to be here, I could leave. And he goes, well, no one's ever gotten up and left when I said that. And I said, well, maybe you shouldn't say it then, right? But he invested. I can, tell, I, I can drive right to his house now. We created a relationship that was unbelievable after school, and he invested my, my dean at my, at my college invested in my life, Walter Eisner. I can name those people. You can name them, the ones that invested. And so teachers, I want to encourage you that you can invest in the lives of students that make that impact. Now teachers and educators, bus drivers, whoever you are, you know through the whole system the students that impact you. 
Think of those influential students that touched your life, that loved you, that cared for you at that special time. I mean, relationships are so incredible that I just want to honor you through this this weekend. I mean, it's, it's amazing to think about the sacrifice that you make as an educator. I could not survive in a classroom. So when I was a children's pastor, my second grade teacher didn't show up one Sunday. To tell me, this will explain some of the quarantine, to tell me you got to stay in that 20 by 20 room with those 12 kids for the next hour, like that's not going to work for me. Like I'm a wanderer, I'm a talker, I'm a, I, I, like, I just can't do it. And so I did what every good pastor does when their person doesn't show up. I called her. I'm standing in the room, it's 10 minutes before service is supposed to start, and I go, hey Paula, uh, are you planning on coming to serve in ministry today? Because you had to be there like ahead of time, and she wasn't there. And she goes, Pastor Jim? I go, yeah. And she goes, well, I, you know, I was a little tired, I didn't feel like getting up, and and I'm like, well, I'm standing here in your classroom, and the kids are all here. And she's like, uh, okay. I said, how long do you think it'll take you before you can get ready and get here? She goes, about 20 minutes. I said, all right, I'll give you 20 minutes. I'm waiting. And she showed up 20 minutes later. Like, I wouldn't do good in the classroom. She does great in the classroom, and she loves that. So if you're a teacher, educator, administrator, whatever, bus driver, any part of the system, I just want to thank you today for what you have done, what you're about to do, and the love that you're going to pour into the school system. If you're one of those and you're online, just type teach in the chat and so that we know that you're there. And we just want to just continue to reinforce for you what you're doing. And there is no greater example that you have as a teacher than Jesus. I mean, Jesus was an incredible teacher. You can be unique like Jesus because you got to remember, God created every one of you specifically for his purpose specifically equipping you with the gifts and love and everything that you can pour into others. You can be a healer. You can be compassionate. I can remember when my first call to ministry and I experienced it, and I was, I was over in the other room, and, and, and this little man came down, and he waved for me, and I came down, and I stood in the front, and he said, there's one thing I never want you to lose when it comes to being in ministry and loving people. And I said, Okay. He said, never lose your compassion for others. He said, because you don't know their situation, you don't know what they're going through, never lose your compassion for others. And that was Mr. Fernley. And I've never forgotten that. And I just want to say that as you go into a system, as part of the education process, that never lose your compassion for others. Jesus had compassion for everybody. It didn't matter what their situation is, what was going on. He just loved them and showed compassion towards them. But at the same time, Jesus challenged them. And so as you lead your students, I want you to, to take that thought through and walk through with them and look at their life and think about how you can pour into them so you can be that influential teacher, administrator, whatever part it is that you are, and that they can be influential back to you. Because we are all either a student or a teacher. It just depends on what we're teaching and what we're learning. Because every part and every step of life, we're teaching something good or bad, and we're learning something good or bad. Because a student will eventually, and Luke, it tells us, Luke 640, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like the teacher. 
And so there's a huge responsibility for us there. Well, 2020 has been anything but usual. It has been very unusual. And I want to encourage students, teachers, everybody that's here today and online to be a David. I want to walk you through and tell you how you can be a David like David was in 1 Samuel. My son, Dawson is his name. He used to be a high school wrestler. He's graduated and called and gone on now. And, and uh, we were at a wrestling match, high school wrestling match, and it was his time for his match. And he gets up, and I don't know how much you know about wrestling. They had to go over to the scorer's table, and both wrestlers check in, and then they come back to the center of the mat to wrestle. And I'm watching this happen, and we're at the visiting school, and there's got to be at least 80 to 100 people on the other side cheering for their team. There's four of us on our side. My son walks over, he checks in, and as he's walking back past his opponent, his opponent just kind of gives him this, like this, like he's going down. And I looked at him, and I said, Dawson, like, he couldn't hear me, but I was like, you have been prepared for this. You have trained for this. You know what to do. You have been pre-prepped. And so they, they, these two big guys, they get to the center, and they, and they lock in like this, and then they push apart, and then they lock in again, and they push apart, and I went, like, he's timing him, like Dawson is timing him, and he locks in the third time, and just when the kid goes to release, he pulls him around and down and pins him in 59 seconds, and it was over. It was over. David, when I say be like a David, it's prior preparation. You've got to trust your preparation, and First Samuel Chapter 17, verses 33 through 37. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy, and he has been fighting men from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. So you see, no matter what your situation is, you've had prior training. You've had learning you're going into a system. If you're a teacher here today, you've had prior education. You've done that. You've been mentored. You've spent some time at work. We are all that way. That no matter what life situation has us in, we have to trust that our preparation is what we've done. You've got to trust that what you've spent the time learning to prepare for the next stage, you can be like David and trust in that prep work. To know that you can conquer your victor no matter what. Because, and then you've got to learn to adjust because we're going to learn that David actually adjusts on the fly as he's going through that also. So when you think about what you're about to come up to in this situation, very unusual time, what is it that I know? And the number one thing you should know is that God loves people, God loves you, and you should love other people. But you should also trust that he's going to keep you safe through the whole process. 
So then we think about when David, we move on, is to be and know yourself. Trust your creator. 1 Samuel, again, 38 through 40. This is, this is what cracks me up because, like, I can see David and Saul going through this. And at some point in time, you think he's got to be going, really? We're going we're gonna to do this? And then it says, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he says. Think about that. You're looking at the king, right? I can't go in these things, and they're the best things that he's given them. I can't go in these, says, he says to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off, and then he went, took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. You have to be true to who you are. That's the one thing I've learned is that I know who I am. I'm pretty comfortable with who I am. I know what I've learned. I know the people that have invested in me, and I know the God that I serve. And so I trust in, like David, I'm not going to try and go to do things I can't do. When I first started in ministry, I tried to preach like other preachers because I thought that was cool. Like, they preach really good, and I like that. But then I realized that that's them, and this is me. And if you're going to conquer the things that come up against you, the barriers, the fear that you have, you've got to make sure that you know who you are and be comfortable with who you are and be true to who you are. Because a lot of times we adjust who we are. And the toughest thing about being a follower of Christ is you may find yourself in situations that challenge who you are. But you've got to not be shy about who you are and the faith and the following of Christ that you have in your life. Because you serve a great king. David knew that. He put all this on that he gave, and he's like, this is not me. I have trained with his sling and a stone, and the God has pre-prepped me. I've killed a bear, I've killed a lion. And he's all excited about just being who he is. And I can't imagine the king looking at him and going, but you're you're a boy. He just called him a boy. Like, you're a boy. And we all know how big Goliath is. We've read that in Scripture, and and he's still like, yeah, I don't want any of this. I don't want any of this. Because I know if I'm going to be true to who I am and who God's called me to be, then I need to be who God's called me to be. And not somebody else or not something else. And as, as we go through just even thinking the school starting, and for teachers, I just want you to be who you are. The kids that you'll come in contact with, whether you're, whether you're an administrator or you just, when they're getting on and off the bus, whatever the situation that they cross, the other people, that the support staff that are in there, just be who you are that God's called you to be and you'll see miraculous things happen. I mean, I'm in the back of my house in quarantine and I have a service guy that I can't get up and talk to and I'm standing so far away from him and I'm like, I don't even know this guy, and within three minutes, I'm just being who I am. And he goes, he asks the question that sometimes I fear. He goes, so what do you do for a living? And I go, well, I'm a pastor. And, and if, you don't, if you don't know a pastor really well, sometimes when you say that, it's like the kiss of death. Like some people don't want to talk to you anymore. But this guy, we engaged in the backyard like 15, 20 feet apart about a faith journey that he's trying to figure out. But if in that moment, if I didn't decide I'm going to be who God wants me to be, then I would have missed that opportunity 
to allow a faith insert into that person's life that I don't know what's going to happen with that seed, but God knows what's going to happen with that seed. Sure, I needed some service stuff done, but God sent that man for me to share who Christ is. That can happen in quarantine. That can happen in life. And it was an incredible moment. But then you got to be filled with confidence too, right? Like let's, let's, you got to let your flow flow, that's what I say. You know, when you think of David again, we go back to David in 46 to 48. We're going to get down in here and it says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. He didn't say I come against you with a sling and stone. I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. Too often we say, I, I, like, this whole thing about, like, fear. Fear is when you try to control something that you have no control over. So just forget it and have confidence in what you do. And so then David goes on down through. He says, the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me and I will strike you down and cut your head off. Right? Is this not, I'm not going to just strike you down. I'm going to strike you down and cut your head off. And I think that David is just so confident when it comes to this. And the best thing I like about it is the, the cool thing about this scripture, it says like the Philistine moves closer and then David runs towards them. I don't know about you, but if I'm looking at someone that size, I'm kind of going to try to figure out a weak spot, figure out where I can get in there, kind of catch him off guard. But David doesn't do that. He expresses his confidence, he owns it, and then he exercises it. Because he knows it's not the stone, it's not the sling, it's his faith in Christ, the God Almighty, who will deliver this giant into his hands. And, and I think it's not enough, like I said, for him just to say, I'm just going to, like, strike you down. Like, I'm going to cut your head off, dude. Like, you're going you're gonna to regret the day you met me. And I can imagine that Goliath's going, this kid is nuts, and I'm going to squish him like nothing. But then we all know what happened. And David slings the sling. And Goliath comes tumbling down. And he drops to the ground. And David walks up. And he pulls Goliath's sword out. And he slices his head off. That's not good enough. Then he picks it up. And holds it up. Because part of being a David, it's okay to celebrate. I know that sounds gruesome, but man, when he picks that up and turns around, all his brothers go, woo, we did it, right? He's fired up. He knows that his God, who he trusts and who he was from his preparation, from his confidence, from his trusting in who he was, that God was going to make him victorious, did make him victorious, and he celebrates. So much of today, we struggle with hope. We think about in these unusual times, like, like hope 
is everywhere. If you believe and trust in Christ, every part of your life, if you get in a small group and you need to learn and figure this out and work through the things you need to work through, you need to be in relationship not only with people but with Christ, and you've got to know that on a daily basis so that he can give you that what you need to be like David. Hope comes from the Lord. It doesn't come from anything else. There's lots of stuff that you can watch, lots of stuff that you can read. My dad used to say this. He said, if you only look for negative things, you will never run out of things to look for. So I put my hope in the Lord and say, Lord, make me a David. School starting, if I had kids and I was a teacher or I was a student and I was sending my kids, I say, Lord, make them a David. Make them a David, and no matter what they come up against today, that they can conquer it. That no matter what people say to them, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it smells like, no matter what it feels like, that you can make them a David today. And pray that every day. It's not enough just to do it once a week. It's not enough to do it once a month. It's not enough to do it at the beginning of school. If you're part of the education program, no matter what your position is, if you're a student that's going, own your day. Say, Christ, today is your day. Make me a David today. And the next day, and the next day. I wrote this poem about hope because I got, I got a little, little tired of all the, all the negativity that goes on. And, and I'm not a musician. I mean, talent, I can't, but the joke in my family, because they're all musical, is when I say I'm not a musician, so I'm going to steal their line right now and say, oh, no, you can play the radio, right? So I stole the line. You can't say it now afterwards. Sorry. But I wanted people to hear this. I just titled it Hope. As the new dawn arises and you get up from your bed, may hope rise with you. As the sun breaks the horizon, sharing its light, may hope bring new light to you. As the warmth of the sun comforts the earth, may hope comfort you also. As you prepare for your day not knowing what awaits you, may hope claim what's ahead for you. As questions come and no seemingly good answers, may hope bring calmness to you. As uncertainty increases and stress is the latest foe, may hope conquer the foes for you. As there seems like there's nothing left in your tank, May hope sustain you. As a spark is ignited by someone or something of happiness, may hope make a raging fire to encourage you. As your day concludes with wonder and anticipation, may hope bring stillness in you through Christ our Lord. For you see, we serve a king, we serve a savior, we serve a God, who parted the Red Sea, who walked on water, who closed the mouth of lions, who healed the sick, who defeats enemies, protects people from the fiery furnace. He's raised people from the dead, and he's fed masses. 
And he's defeated death and walked from the tomb so that we can all have freedom. That's the king. That's the savior. That's the God I serve each and every day. He's the God that loves you. He's a God that cares for you. He walks with you. He talks with you. He listens. He teaches. He goes before you. He stands behind you. That's the God. That's the king. That's the savior that I serve each and every day when I open my eyes. And that's the king and the savior and the God for you also. If you don't know that God, that King, that Savior, I would encourage you to go to mw.church forward slash prayer and someone will be there to pray with you. There is no greater love that you'll experience. There's no greater freedom that will come. Want to be a David. Want to be a David that drops giants because of Christ's faithfulness to him and his faithfulness to Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the example of David that you give us in scripture. Father, I thank you that you're a God that cares about us. You've done so many miraculous things. for the time that we spent not focused on you and we have fear that enters in or we allow the enemy to cast doubt, may we be reminded of David. May we be reminded that you've prepped us for a lot of this. You love us, you care for us, you listen to us and you're there to talk with us. Father, may we be true to who we are in you each and every day. And Father, may we celebrate. And in celebration, may you receive the glory of all that we do and say. And may you be honored by it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.